Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. Hey, Garden Church. My name's Faith. For those of you who I don't know, I'm the worship pastor here. And I just want to start by saying how much I love this community, how much I love each and every one of you. Um, I miss you. I want to just say this. I miss worshiping together. Um, I'm so thankful that we can worship together in this different way, even if at times it feels a little strange. Technology is amazing. I'm so glad we can worship together. But I do long for the day when we can meet back together in the same room, worshiping God with one voice. So I just wanted to start there this morning. Know that I love you. I think of you all the time. You are always in our prayers. You're always in our thoughts. Um, Yeah, and I just, I love this church. I love this community. And so it's really a joy for me to get to share more of God's heart with you today. Um, And this week, we're going to continue in our Rule of Life series. And I'm going to talk to you about worship. And so I know that just by saying that word, worship, that your mind probably goes somewhere. And I'm going to guess it's in the realm of music, which is not a bad place to start. Um... Because music and creative expression have been really powerful ways that we worship God. And even historically, for the church, for thousands of years, songs have unified us in this powerful expression of declaring who God is and what he's like. So if that's your starting place, you're in a right, you're in a good place. Um, But I do want to say that that's just one part of what worship is, albeit an important part. But that is just one part of what worship is. And I do think that um, there's so much more. So we have to start by understanding that worship isn't uniquely even a Christian thing. It's a human thing, right? We all have been designed to worship. But the beautiful thing is everybody gets a choice on what or who they worship. And if we want to just define what worship means outside of the Christian context, worship is to declare or attribute worth to something. And The voice of culture, whether you realize it or not, is constantly taking your desires, your longings, your love, and your attention and pointing it in a thousand different directions away from God. Um, I found this piece of paper. I just wanted to share this. I found this piece of paper in my desk last week when I was cleaning some things out, and it was notes that I had scribbled down from a staff meeting probably a year ago. And I can remember Darren saying this, um, but I had it underlined and it leapt out to me. And it just said this, that, uh, that attention is the beginning of worship. So what is getting our attention matters. And Martin Luther puts it another way. He says, whatever your heart clings to or confides in, that is really your God. So what do your heart's desires reveal about your worship? And where is your attention going? And what do the scriptures say about worship? What do they reveal about worship? Why does worship matter so much to God? And I think the million dollar question we're all asking right now is, okay, so if church doesn't look the way that it did before, if we can't get in a room together and sing songs, then how am I supposed to worship? What is worship supposed to look like for me? And I think if I had been asked to preach on worship even a year ago, we'd maybe have a slightly different conversation. I probably would have focused Uh, much more attention onto corporate worship, which is the singing together. Um, Because again, it's very important. It's a very important part of worship in the Christian church. But because of the year that we all just lived through, I do think that God wants to show us a much fuller expression of what worship is. 
And I also want to address something at the start today that, um, yes, I am the worship pastor. And yes, I love to worship God. Um, but you may have an idea of what my worship to God in my normal life looks like. If you think that I wake up every morning and light 15 candles and sit at the piano and sing for four hours, um, that does sound like a great day to me, don't get me wrong, but that's not what every day looks like for me. What I will say is throughout my life so far, I have had just pure and beautiful intimate moments with worship by myself, with small groups of friends, with the larger church, and those moments have been deeply important and formed my life and my relationship with God in, in really profound ways. Um, but I would be lying to you if I said that worship was something that I had mastered. I think as I was preparing and putting this sermon together, preparing to preach appropriately so, the Holy Spirit and God's Word just began to reveal to me areas of compromise still in my own heart and places that God doesn't have my full attention yet. And so I don't share that to diminish my relationship to God because me and God have some beautiful history and I'm excited for what he has next for me. Um, but I share that to say that we're all learning and discipleship is a lifelong journey. And so whatever your starting point is today, that's great. Start there. Now, I just want to say before we go any further that all I ask of you today is that you would lean in and have an open heart to what God might want to say to you today because he really loves you. So let's start there. If you would just close your eyes, I just want to pray over our time today and invite God's presence, and then we'll jump into some scripture. So, Holy Spirit, we just invite you here now. Thank you for every person who's watching. I pray, God, that your spirit would search our hearts and lift our heads. Remind us of what you're like today. Allow our hearts to be open before you. We love you, Jesus. We bless you in your name. Amen. So, I want to start by looking at maybe what's a familiar passage to many of you. If not, that's okay. Um, these are the words of the Apostle Paul as he addresses the church in Rome. So you can turn to Romans 12. We're going to read verses 1 through 2 in the NIV. So he says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So there's a couple of things that I want you to notice here. Uh, number one, Paul is saying that there's a natural or even a reasonable response to experiencing the mercy and the compassion of God. And that response is to willingly offer your life back to him as an act of worship or as an offering. And that does mean every part of your life. And so I think Paul is being really intentional in starting here with worship before he ever addresses how we're being formed by culture because Paul understands that worship is the thing that sets us into right alignment to be both in culture and not be swallowed up by it. And then he goes on to say, be transformed by the renewing of your mind and the word transformed is the Greek word metamorpho, which comes from the word metamorphosis. So imagine the change that a caterpillar goes through when it surrounds itself in a cocoon of its own making, only to emerge later as a new creature entirely. And Paul is saying, you'll be changed like that from the inside out as the Holy Spirit renews your mind. 
And it is from that place of a spirit renewed mind that we're ever able to recognize God's will, what he's asking of us, and then we can joyfully be obedient to it. So in other words, a right view of God moves our hearts towards obedience. So now I want to read that same passage to you, um, but maybe in a version that's less familiar. This is Eugene Peterson's translation of the message, and I just love the language that it gives us for our, our modern lives. He says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. So don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, um, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and he develops a well-formed maturity within you. This is so good. So worship clearly isn't just songs that we sing, but it's the life that we live. And we have to start with a clear understanding that your life matters to God. And whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a customer service manager, a film producer, a teacher, or a priest, the call is always the same, to take your everyday ordinary life and to give it back to God as an offering. So there is a cost required in our worship. And that cost is a surrender that says, God, my life is yours. Let me lose my life in order to find it in you. I think for a lot of us, 2020 was really the great revealing in a lot of ways. And for me personally, I know that I suddenly had all these plans canceled and all this time um, kind of forced upon me. And it was in that space that I had to sort of sit with what the idols were in my life that either I didn't notice or I didn't want to look at um, and I could avoid because I was so busy. So I'll name some of those idols for you. Um, so those idols were distraction, um, busyness, other people's opinions and affirmations of me, as well as the desire for more stuff. And at first, I kind of uh, ran from those things as fast as I could, because like you, like many of us, all the systems around me were also kind of crumbling, and I realized how much I had relied on those other things. Um, but the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth, gently started to show me um, all the places where my heart and my desires had kind of been deformed slowly over time by the culture around me. And in God's kindness, he actually took a year that could have remained very isolating um, and, he, and he made it something beautiful. He made it a space where I've really experienced greater intimacy with him than ever before in my life, honestly. So, I want to say, what if we see this time of being scattered, of not being able to have corporate worship and sing together in church, or even have church the way that it looked before, as an opportunity to renounce the idols in our lives and turn our hearts and our affections back towards our first love, which is Jesus. Corporate worship, again, is so important and meaningful, but honestly, if it isn't the overflow of a people whose whole lives have been given over to him, who are so devoted and so in love with him, then I just wanna ask, like, are we just making noise? And what if he's most interested right now in his kindness 
in cultivating a hidden life of praise within you. You see, we need worship because worship recalibrates our hearts, our affections, and our longings back to Jesus. A few years ago, um, I was having pretty severe back and shoulder pain, which I, I guess I didn't realize how bad it was. I thought it was kind of normal. People live with that sort of thing. And I went many years without addressing it, also because I was in my early 20s and I've learned to take care of myself better. Um, but at the time, um, it got to a point where I was pretty uncomfortable. I mentioned it to a friend and she casually was like, have you tried a chiropractor? I hadn't. And I was at that point where it was kind of like, what do I have to lose? Let's do it. So I remember going to get adjusted, which is the chiropractor lingo. I got my back adjusted and it was the first time I had done it and it was so intense and quick and powerful and in a moment it was like my whole body got put back into alignment most of the pain gone that i've been experiencing for years in just a second and it was like i truly had no idea how out of alignment my body was until it wasn't and isn't it the same way for our desires our spirits and our minds are constantly being knocked out of alignment by the culture around us and oftentimes we don't even realize it's happening we just know maybe we're in pain or things don't feel right or as they should be. Worship puts our desires and our hearts right back where they're meant to be. It's like a spiritual chiropractor. And there's a great book called You Are What You Love, which I would highly recommend. Um, it's by an author, James K.A. Smith, and he says this, Christian worship we should recognize is essentially a counter reformation to those rival liturgies that we're often immersed in cultural practices that covertly capture our loves and our longings, miscalibrating them, orienting us to rival versions of the good life. And this is why worship is the heart of discipleship. So I wanna ask what cultural practices are capturing your loves and longings? And you guys, this can be really subtle and it often is. So first, I could put it broadly as social media. Don't check out when I say that. Um, I think social media, personally is a bit of a deforming machine just as it is. But if we want to go a layer deeper, is social media a place for you maybe um, where you go to be fulfilled by what strangers or people that you do know and look up to think of you on the internet? Another big one is sometimes our relationship to our work. Has work become a space for you that you kind of get addicted to the sense of um, purpose or identity it gives you? Because that can get hijacked. Or maybe you have habits in life um, to distract you from the anxiety that you feel from those same habits. And so there's this vicious cycle that kind of continues. For me, it looks like believing this lie that buying newer or nicer things is going to give me a sense of wholeness. So whatever it is, we have to realize that those desires for identity or acceptance or peace or wholeness, these are good things. But these are things that can only be fulfilled by God. And so anything outside of him that's promising you that, um, it's just going to be shallow. So we need a spiritual chiropractic adjustment, but we also need to be willing to allow God to show us what's causing us pain so he can begin to heal it. Worship matters a lot to God. And there's this moment in the Gospels when Jesus is asked by the religious elite of his day, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replies, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So we can't argue this, that loving God is the greatest commandment. And it seems that in order to love our neighbors well, we have to be devoted to loving God well and allow ourselves to be reformed by him. And it is true that we become like what we worship. So I'm just letting you know, the more you spend time with Jesus, the more you worship him, you may start to look a lot like Jesus. And I think the world is desperately thirsty for that right now. Lately, it seems like every couple of days, there's some kind of nationwide or worldwide event that kind of shakes everybody up. And we need to learn to be instruments of God's peace to those around us. And worship forms us into people who are not easily shaken. We love to tell the story of Paul and Silas when we talk about worship, and that's because it is a crazy story. It's a beautiful story. And if you're not familiar, to give you the cliff notes in the book of Acts, Paul and Silas, um, they cast an evil spirit out of this woman and the people who had been profiting off of her and this thing that she was carrying, they get really angry. And so Paul and Silas get put in prison and um, it says they're under close watch from the jailers and they're fastened in stocks. And then it says in the middle of the night that they're praying and singing hymns to God. And all of a sudden, this great earthquake comes and the prison doors are opened. So it's a wild story. <laughs> what is more wild to me is that after getting thrown in prison for really doing nothing wrong, what naturally comes out of them is prayer and worship. So it's their default setting, in other words. I am not there yet. <laughs> Basically, if I don't get enough sleep or if I don't have enough coffee, there are mornings where I struggle to be nice to my husband, Josh, who, if you know him, is the nicest person in the world. So I have room to grow in this. And I remember Bill Doctrum saying this in a sermon once, and it makes me laugh, but it's so true. He said, if you're not kind to people before you've had your morning cup of coffee, you're probably not that kind. <laughs> Isn't this true, though? When we're pressed by life, what comes out of us? When we're shaken by life, what is our default setting? For Paul and Silas, it was prayer and praise. That's what came out of them when they were shaken up. I want to be like that. Do you? Now, being able to respond under life's worst circumstances with worship means that there were many moments of praise and learning to be a worshiper of Jesus. So this is the great news. We can learn to be like this. So then what does worship look like for you right now, right? Maybe you're sitting in your house and you're like, that's great. Where do I start? What does that look like for me? What does worship look like for the single parent or the married person or the single person or maybe some of you who are having the best financial year of your life and others of you who are really just trying to make ends meet? What does worship look like for the writer, for the educators? The list goes on and on, right? What does worship look like and how do we start? So. I wanna make it really practical where you can go from here because we all need that in a year like this. So here are four ways that I think you can grow in your worship to God. So number one, I wanna say, start with intentionally making space every day to notice the Holy Spirit and become aware of God's presence all around you. And I wanna say that this can start with literally one minute or five minutes. It can then grow into multiple times a day. And before you know it, you're gonna be walking in tandem, step-by-step step with and empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
You're asking what he's up to, and you have eyes to see the divine in every moment. And so just really practically, what this has looked like for me is just having these quick little centering prayers throughout my day. I deal with a bit of anxiety, and so sometimes in my work or in my friendships, I can get these like swells of like, ah, you know, feeling overwhelmed. Do you relate to this? And so I'll pray these short prayers when I realize I've gotten out of alignment to God's presence, which centers me. So I just say, Holy Spirit, bring me right back into focus with you. So number two, I want to invite you to cultivate a life of gratitude and thank God every chance you get. Thank him for your meals. Thank him for your job. Yes, when you are dreading that fourth Zoom call you're about to jump onto. Thank him with your children and for your children as you put them down to sleep every night. Thank God as you wake up in the morning and you take your first conscious deep breath of the day. Thank God as you allow his scriptures to move in you and live in you. Thank him for your weaknesses, your worries, and your insecurities as he allows his grace to shine through those things. And again, really practical. Can I ask that you just write these down? It could be I want to write three or five things down every day that I'm thankful for, and it's simply... God, I thank you for, and name those things, or God, I thank you because, and you can name those things. Number three, invite the Holy Spirit, who again is the spirit of truth, to show you the areas of compromise or the places in your life where maybe your affection or your attention are going to other gods. So sit with the Holy Spirit and ask, what are my idols? And he'll show you. And as he does, just begin to renounce those things and recommit your heart and your longings and your worship back to God. And a great place to start for this one would be to do a self-audit. So just take a week and observe and ask yourself these questions. Where is my attention going throughout the day? And what are the first things that I'm thinking about when I wake up in the morning or the things I'm thinking about when I go to sleep at night? Start there. And then lastly, I want to encourage you to sing. Sing songs to him. And you can just look at the Psalms as a starting place, right? Because not only are the Psalms incredibly helpful because they show the whole spectrum of human emotions, but um, they're also a very clear and constant invitation to praise and to sing to him, right? It's sing to God a new song, enter his gates with thanksgiving in your hearts and his courts with praise. God doesn't care what your voice sounds like. In fact, I want to tell you that God loves the sound of your voice. And I want to say even further than that, that he loves the sound of your voice just as as much as he loves the sound of Beyonce's voice. And for my brothers and sisters who are tone deaf, this is great news. God thinks you sound amazing. (laughs) But seriously, be filled with joy in his presence and sing songs to him. Delight in him in whatever way God has made you to be. So for you, maybe it's paint a picture with him. Maybe it's sing him a song, go on a walk with him, enjoy the sunset with the creator of the sunsets and allow his heart to be the thing that draws you closer and closer and closer than before. The most, a friend said this to me a few weeks ago, the most beautiful thing that people who don't know God could see is people who do know him truly enjoying him. So I want to just say, enjoy God, enjoy him, let your love for him deepen. And this type of formation, it just, it has to be intentional and it has to be done with the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's not going to happen by accident and we need the Holy Spirit to help us grow. Throughout the Rule of Life series, keep imagining that visual of a trellis. 
because it's very helpful. This is, again, the structure that allows a vine to grow upwards. And worship is an essential part of the structure that's going to allow your life with God to flourish. So keep walking in this every day. Keep inviting him to more. I know for myself, I want to love God more today than I did yesterday. And I want to love him more tomorrow than I do today. And I pray the same for you. So I just want to end our service today by praying over you and blessing you. And I think like as I was sitting with this, there were two groups of people that I wanted to specifically pray for. Um, Number one is those of you who maybe have never experienced God's love for yourself. And I think that maybe some of you just haven't in a really long time. And I think that God wants to surround you in his love and speak truth over you today. So I want to pray for those of you who fit into that category. And then the second thing was, I think there are some of you who are feeling like, yes, I want to grow deeper in my love for God. It's like he's lighting a fire in your heart. Maybe that's what it feels like. And I just want to bless that. So let me pray for us now. God, we just thank you for um, this time this morning to be reminded that you um, are longing for our hearts and our our attention, God, and our affections. And I just pray first, God, that any way that we're out of alignment right now, you would just bring us right back, right back into focus with you. Any ways that our eyes are on other things, Jesus, we just keep our eyes focused on you right now. And... For the people who have never experienced your love, God, or maybe just feel like their hearts have grown cold and tired after a year like this, God, I thank you that you are a God of compassion who meets your children exactly where they're at, that you don't ask us to be um, people who don't have emotions or experience things. And God, I just pray for those people that you would surround them right now with your love. I pray, God, that you would wrap yourself around them and that they would have an encounter with you in the coming moments, hours, weeks, or months, God, that would just solidify something within them that they're so deeply known and loved by you. And God, I just want to pray for those people who are watching today and you've lit a fire in them. Yes, I want to get rid of these gods that I've been worshiping and I want to worship the one true God. I want my love for God to deepen and grow. God, I just bless that. I pray that you do more that you do more, that you do more, that you deepen and you bring us closer than ever before. And I thank you for this beautiful church, God. Thank you that we are growing and we are learning to look more like you every day. And we bless you for this time. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. We love you, Garden Church. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit garden.church. 